Praise the Lord. Come on, let's warm ourselves up this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. You can be seated. Finally got the building warm. Now the saints get warm. Now the preacher gets warm. We'll all get warm. Amen. It's glad to be here this morning. And uh, I did wish my wife a happy birthday this morning after she reminded me of it. So when you give her age away, that made me feel old, but I think she's a nice-looking 78-year-old that I've ever been with in my life. <laughs> Amen. It's been what, how many years? How many, 50, 60, 59 years together. Amen. So hopefully we'll make it together until the change of our bodies. Amen. And we'll start all over again. Amen. Glad to have Israel and Sarah. I won't pronounce your last name, but I've got it written down here. So, glad to have you with us this morning. And you're from Texas, is that right? Okay, come up visiting with us. We're glad to have you here with us this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have your notes in front of you, and we're looking. I didn't, if you notice, I dropped the title, The Kingdom of God, number 47. And since it was Christmas, and David got to talking about being a kid in Santa Claus, I can remember exactly what he's talking about. I just never did see the guy, though. <laughs> I never did see the guy. I always wondered how them gifts got under that tree, and I stayed awake all night, and I still never did know when he come and when he left. Amen. He just shows up. It's almost like the Holy Ghost, isn't it? He can just show up. But when he shows up, most of us will know that he, he's around. Amen. Uh, with that in mind, I'd like to preach uh, this morning or speak on a gift. It's just a teaching ministry, and I give you too many notes, really. But uh, I just title it "The Promised Gift." The Promised Gift, and we're going to look at a gift that has been promised that the Apostle Paul prayed for, that he would give to the church, and we are the ones that will receive it. And the gift is still yet before us. So when you think it's all over, you have not arrived at the point that we're talking about. So let's go back to the Apostle Paul. I'll, I'll skip some of the outline there if you want to study. We went through it for several times, years. But in Ephesians 1.17, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, because I believe this is what pertains to the message of this hour. We are the recipients of this prayer, which I call it an alpha prophecy prayed by the Apostle Paul. Now, last week we looked at the alpha omega principle, that which was back somewhere in the Scripture. You can go back to Genesis. But what had an alpha will have an omega. If there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the pillar of fire set up on each one as the alpha, you will have a repeat in the omega. Now, Brother Bram said that baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell in this uh, 19, early 1900s was a repeat of Pentecost, but it was not exactly a repeat of Pentecost because they didn't have the Word correctly. There will be another outpouring of the Holy Ghost when we come to a knowledge and have been come to a revelation by knowledge of God Himself, and that will be the final gift. 
There is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost sits right before us. And even today it is in our midst. Every great gift and outpouring of God that he poured out upon the church. He always moves by the teaching of the word in people's hearts for them to begin to look for it. To expect it and begin to pray for it. So that he can answer your prayer by pouring out what he wants done. So people think it's all over. It's not over. The message should birth a revelation in our hearts by the word that the one that brought the message is here to identify himself in us and through us to take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the greatest gift and the greatest outpouring and the greatest power of the Holy Ghost sits right before us. Now we understand Brother Brown called that the third pull or a portion of it. He also called it in the teaching of the scripture, the latter rain that must fall upon the teaching rain, which was his ministry. It will not come until we reach a level of understanding and revelation of the word of God to cap off or to build or seal the whole body of Christ in its completion. Uh, David, do you have that picture? Now, what we talk about, a picture is worth a thousand words sometimes. Many people have studied that, and Brother Brown drawed that in the statue of a perfect man. And he shows you there's seven steps, seven virtues, there's seven church ages, seven messengers. Then there's a gap there called the Holy Spirit, and then the capstone of love. That capstone of love is God himself. That is your final gift. Well, look here. He gave his son as a gift. Look at the different gifts of righteousness, justification, so on and so. But he hasn't given himself. There's your headship. There's your anointing. There's your power that seals the whole body of Christ all the way down to faith or Paul's age to bring up the complete body of Christ. So Paul in his age, down here, right on the bottom, and he was Speaking to the Ephesian church who had reached the ability of brotherly kindness. They were ready for the rapture. They were ready for this final gift, this final quickening. But they didn't get it because all the body was not in. So we're looking at an omega that you and I are to return back to the Ephesian statue of brotherly kindness. So the last gift which is God himself can be given to the body to close and make the headship to bring a power to take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. All right? So there is a promised gift. We call it the capstone. We call it the headship. We call it the token. We know it as God himself who is love. So this in mind, we want to look at the text. Just take a scriptural study this morning and look at what is set before us so that you can begin to expect it, you begin to call for it, you begin to confess that it's yours, and upon our confession, he will fulfill and bring it to pass. You can't just sit and wait on it, and hoping it'll fall on you one of these days, and I'll get it if, when everybody else gets it. No, the bride are the ones that's going to get this gift, and it's ordained to a certain group of people. They will know that it's coming, they will ask for it, they will seek for it, and therefore they shall be filled. This is not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Bram called it a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Or the fullness of God manifested in flesh. So when you look at the fullness of God. 
You're looking at a power that I, I broke your uh, diagram in. That is a power equivalent to and the same that God used to quicken Jesus and raise him from the dead. That same resurrection power is to be given to an end time group. And you are, and I are here. Then there's another, another messenger coming. The next is those who have the spirit of wisdom and revelation will absolutely receive the capstone or the headship of God himself. All right. So let's look at it as the promised gift. Because Paul, way down here in the foundation, he prays for that capstone or the gift to come to the Ephesian church. And it did not come. And it has not come yet. I declare to you that I believe that it is here. It is in our midst. It has been identified. It's had its picture taken. It has vindicated itself by signs, miracles, and wonders, even to the raising of the dead. But especially in vindication of thus saith the Lord by the opening of the word that we may understand the mysteries given to the end time bride. Amen. How many knows the mysteries or true doctrine is the highest form of any gift that God can give you? Now, He can give you a gift of healing. He can give you a gift of prophecy. He can let you preach. He can let you do all these things. But the gift of revelation, which is a knowledge of Himself, is the greatest gift that He can give you because it will bring immortality and the change of our body, even the resurrection of the sleeping saints of God. So this is what we're looking at. Way back into the Alpha, Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. I said over and over and over, you cannot read the Scripture and come up with three gods. You cannot read the Scripture and be one like your finger or oneness. There's a revelation just in the middle. There is one God who has now one unique, only begotten Son of God, which he designed for a purpose to reveal himself. Amen. So Jesus was the living tabernacle of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. So here we find that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Paul is praying now that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of himself. I broke it down in the notes for you, whatever more. What I look at in the first chapter, we won't go into it for it's too long. But we're looking at Revelation 1.8. Now, I remind you of last week's study that Alpha and Omega is one and the same. You find an Alpha, you can know what to expect in the Omega. The reason why people don't realize what is going on today even after the prophet's gone, the message still here. People walking away from the message. On and on and on we go. They don't realize what's going on because they don't understand the Alpha. They look back in history. The picture is dim. All Sodom condition. Lot, Noah, all this. The picture is dim. But what went on then is absolutely what is transpiring today. So what you was confronted with today, they were confronted with it then. So God is going to repeat. He is a God of Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. What he done for the Jew, he'll do for the Gentile. What he done back here, he will repeat it. 
So if there was a book of Acts outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there will be a book of Acts outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this last age. If there was God manifested in the flesh, in the ministry of Jesus, that will be repeated in this hour because the Word must become flesh according to Malachi 4, 5, and 6 and Revelation 10, 7. God in flesh, God in flesh. Alpha, omega, cornerstone, capstone. It's a repeat over and over and over until he attains a revelation of himself. This knowledge, this revelation, this purpose, this blueprint, this plan of God, once revealed to the people, finishes the plan and purpose of God and seals it up by God pouring himself into the whole body of Christ for glorification and basically resurrection. Amen. So it's God doing all for himself in all and through all. It says in Revelation 1 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. So it's going to start with God and it's going to end with God. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. We understand that that is Hebrews 13 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Today and forever. And he understands that now. So we find the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians 17. Now most people will disagree with this teaching. Which nothing unusual. Because everybody disagrees with almost anything today. They will misunderstand or disagree with me on the teaching that we have seen. And we're in the midst and the fulfilling of Ephesians 1.17. So keep that in mind because we'll find out in 117 we will call this an alpha prophecy. Because it was not fulfilled then so it must be a prayer or a prophecy. Because the brother Branham said it was being fulfilled in this hour. Because as the Gabriel come to Daniel so shall this, this spirit come to the end time church. Manifest himself in flesh and reveal God to the people. I confess to you this morning that that is already transpired. What we're looking at is past tense. We're guilty of having a look at the future, but we're not looking too far back in the future. But it's back in the 50s and 60s. Basically, that is too far to look back. Even the 50s and 60s now has error in it, has been fulfilled, and has passed away. I mean, knows as the word fulfills itself in flesh, it moves to another word, and another word, and that word passes away, passes away, and now there's no life in that scripture for us today. Most people won't agree with that. They said the Bible's a Bible, God's word's God's word. But as God fulfills the word in flesh, there's not going to be another Noah. There's not going to be another Moses. There's not going to be a, another Luther or Wesley. When he fulfills that word, it lays aside, but we're building to something, we're moving to something, we're moving to something, and we're moving towards this gift that the Apostle Paul said must come, will come, and is now, we declare, he is here. I know a lot of people disagree with my understanding of the perusia or the presence of God. And most churches have a picture. David, you got a picture of the pillar of fire over the prophet. If you put that up there just a minute for the young people to understand and see. That was God or somebody had his picture taken with the prophet. That is not a picture of Brother Branham. 
Although he's in the picture, it was a picture of God or the one that was present when he said, now I've got a decrease, now he's here. Whoever the he was had his picture taken to prove that this man was telling you the truth. And the one that had his picture taken, the voice, said, this one will not leave you. He will not go on anywhere until he breaks himself in you by revelation and you become the word in flesh for the re resurrection and the rapture. That one that had his picture taken is in us now, will become flesh in us and take us out of here. My question is this, if you have that picture on your wall in your churches and declare that God has not appeared in this hour or that he's not present with you, then I'm saying you better take your picture down because somebody come down and had his picture taken. Well, Brother Gregory believes the Lord has descended and had his picture taken. Well, did, did somebody have to come down to have his picture taken? Is there a scripture somewhere in the Bible that tells us the Lord will descend from heaven and reveal himself by a messenger and bring a message of himself? Did he say in the last days the Son of Man will reveal himself and the Son of Man has to have a prophet to make himself known? Then why do we worry about a simple word called perusia? That's just a Greek word meaning presence. Brother Bam didn't say, I'm going to preach a message this morning on the unrecognized perusia of Christ. He just said, I'm going to preach a message this morning on the unrecognized presence of Jesus Christ. They didn't recognize his presence then, and they still don't acknowledge that he was here now. I'm not declaring that God the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm telling you by vindication, thus saith the Lord, that the pillar of fire is here. He is this promised gift. And he is given to an elected group of people called the Bride of Jesus Christ. This is our Christmas present. This is the gift that they look forward to. This is the gift that all the church age messengers look forward to like a carrot before their nose. They didn't attain it, but it has arrived and it is ours and it is under our nose and we can open the gift and have it. Amen. So when Paul declares that this gift called the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is a gift, it is a spirit, and he declared that it, he prayed for it for the Ephesian age. If we put the pyramid back up there, the Ephesian age had attained, it. we'll read the scripture, and I'll put it in your text, had attained up to brotherly kindness. They only needed one more step to be glorified. One more step. I put in your text, you're reading the different gifts. If, uh, like in Ephesians, uh, Romans 5, 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is to many offenses unto justification. We've been preaching on reaching justification. What does it mean in this hour? Remember, this is a new message. It's not just a warmed up and put a little bit of Luther over, put a little bit of Pentecost over, put a little of this over. He said, don't bring none of that over into this. So when the prophet of God preached justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the word, then after the seals, he said, now wait a minute. Now I'm telling you where you stand this morning, little bride. 
Now, he didn't use justification then as Luther. He didn't use justification as a step to your baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to tell you where you stand this morning because the seals is open and this was a mystery under the seventh seal. You're standing absolutely justified, which means you are now standing righteous before this one that was there, this pillar of fire. You're standing before God completely righteous, completely justified as though you never done it in the first place. This is my thanksgiving message to you. If you take how he used justification, he made you completely righteous. The final state of the growth. Righteous. Waiting for the final gift, the promised gift. To quicken the power of the whole body of Christ. So we find that the gift of grace was the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the the death of Jesus Christ, the blood for our justification. We find also in Romans 6, 23, that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we find that the gift of God, grace through faith, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we find him still praying for a gift. Paul then, therefore, must understood or have an understanding what this great gift of power was, and he was praying for it to come into manifestation. We saw a manifestation. We saw this power identified by the prophet. He said, it is here. It has been identified, but it won't work to its full extent until the World Council of Churches puts the squeeze on the little bride. Now, we think this past year was hard. It was just a wake-up call to this coming year, and if there's another one after that, after that. This is your measure this is your progression these vows and judgment the sixth seal is absolutely open and the judgment is coming on America this is a plague that was talking about the open the bottomless pit all these thousand thousand demons go out and kill all these people prophet said they would not find a cure for this disease this virus they think they will but they won't find a cure for it we're already seeing, by the time they got a shot ready for a few, it's already, what do you call it, migrated or mutated into another form and another form. It'll keep, that devil will keep mutating until basically it'll drive everybody insane or everything just shuts down and it'll just, just keep on going. But hallelujah, we have a promised gift of protection and provision. The revelation of this presence. God is here with us. Amen. He is your protector. He is your provider. Amen. He is your baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is your body chain. He is your Lord. He is your right. He is everything that we have need of. He will keep us immune from all of this sickness. He's going to take us out of here. Amen. Amen. What a 
Christmas message this could be. So we're looking at Paul wanting this message to come into this gift to come into manifestation. Now we've seen it manifested in vindication. We've seen it as thus saith the Lord and it vindicated. I put a lot of stock on vindication. A lot of people don't anymore. They're thinking this and that or whatever more. But we see here that we are promised according to this prophet a return in the omega of today to the state and standing of perfection that the Ephesian church was in and they had reached the stage of brotherly kindness. I gave you the text of that in Ephesians because he said, uh, 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 I read about you because you have the love of all the brethren, what more. They had reached brotherly kindness, which that's the stage that we should be in now. The revelation of this message in the presence of God, if it is a revelation to you, will produce a brotherly kindness. Where's the fruits of the Holy Ghost? You don't hear much talked about receiving the Holy Ghost anymore. When I first coming up was a child, you're, if you go to any church or any Pentecostal church, they was preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You had to receive the Holy Ghost. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Come to the altar and pray through the Holy Ghost. Even when I first started out in Pentecost in this message, we had altar calls, altar calls. People said, I need the Holy Ghost. They'd come and pray for the Holy Ghost, pray for the Holy Ghost, pray for the Holy Ghost. Now then we say, well, I joined church. I got baptized. I got it. How many knows that the seed of God runs out? Oh, I didn't get too many amens there. I guess we want to perpetually go on until we all go somewhere. There's only so many seed of God on earth. How many believe you're one of them? If you're seed of God, you will hear the word. You will be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. You will become Mrs. Jesus Christ, the word. And the fruits of the indwelling spirit will produce itself in you. Because your soul come from God if it's a predestinated seed of God. And it will come to a harvest. It will produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It will produce the life of Almighty God. A wheat will produce a wheat. It can't keep from it. But it needs something at the end to glorify this vessel. If you're born again this morning and you have to be a seed of God to be reborn... Which is absolutely the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I know people preach two instead of one. And Brother Branham done the same. There's where you get the conflicts before the seals open. Brother Branham preached that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the new birth was two separate things altogether. I was always confused because he gave me about 12 scripture, I believe in countdown, or one of those sermons, proving that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was separate from the new birth. That's the reason people do not believe in the church age book. Because in the church age book, they call it Brother Lee Vale's book, because in the church age book, he brings forth the teaching that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the new birth is one and the self same thing. Now you can find a revelation after that, Brother Branham basically changed another doctrine. He changed the position of the soul. Before the seals, it's just like Larkin. Body, soul, spirit. 
The Spirit was the innermost part of the man. So the Pentecostals thought when they got in the Spirit, their Spirit was quicker. They thought it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't. After the seals, he found out what? That it was body, spirit, and soul. Seeing that that germ of life, that soul in you when you were born, even by natural election, was a part of God all the way back to Adam when he breathed in the nostril breath of lives and become a living soul. That it come down through natural election and God knows his own. And there will not be one seed that's not left unexposed, unwatered, and unexpressed. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is only temporal. It's to bring you to a recognition of sonship. Jesus, as we said, Jesus was born in the crib, the Son of God. He was born the Son of God. He didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost to become the Son of God. He was born the Son of God. You're born a child of God. I, I'm off on I don't know why I got off on that, but it's, it's there. I hope you understand. You're not going to work into it. You're not going to pray into it. You're only going to respond to what you are. If you're a son of God, there's something down on the inside. You may worry with it, stress with it up here, but there's something on the inside. Said, I, I, that, I know that's the truth. I, I've heard you. What you've heard, you heard from your theophany. Come on now. You always was and had eternal life. You, we're just now showing up in these bodies. And I realize that I, this body is, I've got to have something with this body. I'm 81 years old. The body's giving me problems. I keep talking to it. It'll line up a little while, but it keeps backsliding on me. But I've got a promise in this hour that the one that raised the dead, that there's enough power here to immortalize this flesh. And the power already resides on the inside of me. It resides on the inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit, by preaching the Word or teaching the Word, can establish and you realize who you are as the Son of God, that you always was a Son of God, and now is your time to be expressed as a Word in flesh, you'll rise up and open your mouth and say, Praise God, hallelujah, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. We find out that only those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life will be quickened or expressed in flesh. So every name on the book will have to be quickened or recognized to what we call the new birth for the body here to be closed up. There won't be another one baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Ghost. It's already closed up. There's a period of time to where we are child training. Here's where the gift comes in. The Holy Ghost himself comes as a teacher. And he teaches you uh, pertaining to himself. It's not teaching you about a preacher or a church or anything else. He is God the Word. And he teaches you about himself to make this word come alive in you for you to recognize that you are a part of him and what part you are. When you are recognize it, you open your mouth 
and confirm that you are seed by the confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're still looking at this final quickening. We're looking at this final gift. And we are to return in this age to basically the state and standing of the Ephesian church age. I know a lot of the ministry is preaching back to Pentecost, back to Pentecost, back to Pentecost. I am not looking to go back to Pentecost. I'm looking to return to the book of Ephesians, which was sinless, which was justified, which was righteous, which had the virtues, which had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they were ready for that last gift of immortality. Amen. So Paul, Brother Bram says here, this, what's this message? Uh, in paradox, let's see what he says. Therefore, we know that Luther could not get to it. Now remember what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the promised gift of Ephesians 1.17. The gift of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God himself. Luther could not get to it. Well, you say, well, Brother Gregory, Luther preached justification. So, therefore, if justification, Luther preached it, you're saying we're back there in Luther. No, no, no. I'm preaching justification that's revealed to a bright age, not to a Luther's age. This is a complete new message. It's not something warmed up. It's not something added to. It's not pieces put over here and put together. It is completely new. They've been preaching justification. Not the way that it was preached in this hour. No one preaches justification and places you standing before God absolutely sinless and perfect before God. They preach justification like, well, you joined church and you got saved, but you're just now starting out. You've got a long way to go. This justification we're looking at is the final act. It is your declaration of your state and standing. You are sinless before God. You are blameless before God. In other words, in the presence of God, the judge. You have passed the trial. And the verdict was not guilty. Come on. Because you were sold into it. No fault of her own. Like Trump keeps saying, this is no fault of your own. You're out of a job. This is China's fault. The disease come from China. Well, wherever it come from, give us problems. But you're born in this condition, no fault of your own. So how are you going to get out of this mess? Is any kind of work going to get you out of it? Can you work and become good enough that your conscience tells you that you're sinless? I don't think so. Only a revelation of the Word of God. Birth in you. By the Holy Ghost, we'll give you enough spiritual backbone and enough inner gumption 
to stand up and look the devil and the preachers in the faith and say, I am not guilty. I am sinless in the presence of God. He, I'm not waiting for him to come. He's already stood here as a judge, and my name was on the book, and I am free from sin. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I am ready now to be dressed by this promised gift of God himself. Wesley, so forth, Reformers, Knox, Finney, Calvin. Now, these are pretty good guys now. Calvin was a dry theologian, but he had a lot of truth. Finney was a gun-shooting lawyer that could put anybody to the altar, repent three times, and then steal like they're a sinner. Anybody ever read any Finney's sermons? Don't read them sometimes. You say, oh, I'm in the message. We're real strict. Oh, man, this is hard. Just, just go sit under Finney a little while. He'll take your experience. He'll take your church going. He'll take your prayer life. He'll take your giving. He'll take everything that you're dependent on. Grind it up. Throw it away and say, now, let's go back down to a true believer again. But when he prayed, the devils trembled. Amen. What did the prophet say? They didn't get it all. Boy, they sure got enough to cast out devils. They got enough to have revival. They got enough to fill up churches. They got enough that we still talk about them. Who's building a reform or a reformation behind us? I doubt if I die next week, they'll have a, a, a Gregory movement. I'd be lucky to even have a Gregory funeral. Praise God, that old man's gone. I'm glad he gets out of the way. Now give me one of these 21-year-olds uh, that don't know nothing. Let them holler and scream a little while. Brother and sister, I'm not critical. I'm just trying to tell you something. It's over as far as this Pentecostal whatever more is over. You've got to come to a revelation of this hour. What is going on for you and me? That's what I'm talking about. He said, now, but what they had was all right, our gospel truth. But now in this last day, we are given, watch now, the understanding by the word. What word is he talking about? Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Luke 17, 30. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Revelation 10, 1 to 7. We're given by understanding of the scripture by the word that we are going to understand it. Not just read it, not hear it preached on, one step, two step, three step. We are going to understand the plan of Almighty God, how He worked His ministry through the ages, what He wants, what He's after, and when it's over, the building has been built. All we need is Him to throw the switch. And let the electricity run all the way through the current, through every fiber of every being, all the way down to the Apostle Paul. Amen. And bring a glorified group of people and stand them up here on this earth as a proven blueprint that the body of Christ, the building, is over. Amen. Hallelujah. We can't see them, but they're already standing around us now. Then the Bible says... When he comes down, he's going to bring those bodies with him. 
That's right. Our brothers said, well, they're not here, praise God, so that scripture is not fulfilled. You're still looking for the coming of Jesus. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Come on. We're not looking for the coming of Jesus. Because Jesus, the man, what they're looking for, and they claim their oneness, so they, well, that Jesus that you're looking for is not going to come down here to earth. The glorified fleshly body, corporal man Jesus, the Son of God, he's not going to come down here to earth. So my question has always been that how, do, how are we going to get up there where he's at? I've asked that question for 35 years, and everybody said, well, I don't know. Well, no, we've got to know. How, is it, how are we going to get up there where he's at? Well, I don't know in Scripture. Jesus comes. No, no, no. My Bible tells me that the Lord himself. Himself. Now, who am I talking about? I'm not talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about Elohim, the self-existent one. The eternal one, the creator of all things. I'm talking about God, our Father himself. Amen. Jesus come to reveal the Father. Is that right? Say amen. amen. He didn't come to reveal another son. He didn't come to reveal himself. I don't speak nothing of my own. The works that I do is not me. It's the Father that does it. Like I said, Jesus didn't do one miracle. He didn't bring forth or speak one profound thing. He was a, almost like an empty vessel being used by a spirit. That spirit was God. That spirit was this spirit of wisdom and revelation manifested in flesh. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, but you got to understand. Yes, I understand. Somebody asked me, uh, sent a question online today. When was, when was Jesus, when did Jesus or the Word become flesh? They said, well, it become flesh and incarnate in the womb. Oh, that sounds wonderful. That's Catholic dogma. That's Catholic dogma. Did the Word become flesh at the birth? Well, to the certain extent, the spoken word through the prophets, a child shall be born, a son shall be given, so on, so on, so on. That word was manifested. That word come to, was manifest in the flesh. But the Logos, God himself, become flesh at the river of Jordan. Oh, I, I, just, I just got myself right out of the message there. Ninety percent don't believe that. But that's what the Bible says. Didn't he come at his baptism and say, this is my beloved son? He didn't say, this is God the son. This is my beloved son. All far be it from God to have a son. But the, like the prophet said, yes, but he did. Like I said, I had a minister up in Canada right, right me. He said, well, Brother Gregory, you preach this, you preach that. Well, far be it from God to have a son. Brother Branham never said, watch. Brother Branham never said the words. And he put it in prison. God had a son, princess. I thought, well, I'll have to look that up. So I punched in, God had a son. Lo and behold, it wasn't there. I thought, well, them five words wasn't there. God had a son. I said, so? That's right. But he's, when he said, far be it from God, that triggered it. Didn't, a, didn't a, some priest or some rabbi tell Brother Branham, 
far be it from God. So I looked it up, and Brother Brad said, I talked to this rabbi, and the rabbi said, far be it from God to have a son. <laughs> but Brother Brad said, five little words. Yes, but he did. So I sent my answer back. I said, Brother Bradham never said God had a son. You're right. But he said, yes, but he did. That's good enough for me. Come on now. You've got to get it right. If you don't understand the Godhead, you'll never see this message. Because Jesus didn't come down. God himself, the word, come down. It's God that's here. Well, I got the Holy Ghost. I got God. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. The Holy Ghost himself is different than the Holy Spirit you call your baptism or your seed. Now, we may not understand that, but you, if you say, well, I got the Holy Ghost, then like I said last week, you'd have to be at least a prophet. Now, we got a little shadow of a shadow. We got a little measure in there. We got a little germ, a little gene in there, just enough to make you want to go to church and do right, but not enough to make you right. But we got enough, just enough that our name's on the book that God takes care of the rest of it anyway. Come on now. He said, now, friends, I believe, but I said, now, in paradise, I believe that he's the same yesterday and forever. Now, Hebrews 13, 8 is Revelation 1, 18, 1, 8, I mean. I believe he's just as able this afternoon to cause in this building a paradox because that he promised it would happen. Now, what paradox was he talking about? The Son of Man being manifested or revealed. God coming down and using a human vessel, declaring himself by the sign of discernment, your name is so-and-so, you got so-and-so, and so-and-so, all, not one miss. How can, how, can these, how can these brothers walk away and say, well, Brother Branham was false. Brother Branham's not, not yet. I, I can't understand that. Like I told the brother this morning, I said, if I preach 35 years and I come to the conclusion that this message was off and I've been deceived 35 years, I'm not going to become a Bible student. I'll sit at home and whittle and wait to see what's coming. Because there's nothing else out there. It's nothing out there. If this is not it, I've been deceived. There's nothing to nothing. I'm not going to try to find another version of it. I'm not going to try to find another program. I'm too old to look for Elijah to come. Come on. I'm too old to look for Elijah. Because Elijah has to come before the second coming or the resurrection or after takes place. So if her brother Brandon was not that Elijah, then where is he? If the seals are not open, when are they going to be open? If you don't understand the mysteries now or true doctrine, when are we going to understand the doctrines? How long is it going to take for us to realize that God himself, the teacher, the promised gift, Elohim, come down by a message, call us out of law, call us out of denominationalism, call us out and set us aside and say, you are the virtuous bride. You never done it. I'll lay nothing to your charge. Just follow me. Praise God. I'm not following a man. If you're following a man, you'll find you can't find the 15 or 16 that fell off the bridge. 
If you're trying to look for a document to see if you can prove how many fell off the bridge, I wouldn't waste five minutes to see how many fell, people fell off the bridge 40, 60 years, 70 years ago, 80 years ago. If you don't have no more experience than counting numbers up fell off the bridge, then something's wrong with you. And if you let a preacher talk you in to base your salvation on how many number, or I can prove this, or he wasn't, I don't know. What about the Word? What about open the Bible? What about true doctrine? What about water baptism? What about the evidence of the Holy Ghost? What about your eternal security? What about your predestination? What about your eternal security, your salvation, your assurance? What about what's happened to you for 35 years? How can you walk every day not even knowing whether you're saved or not? Somehow there's got to be some kind of assurance in this thing to settle this conscience up here. See, the baptism of the new birth will settle this conscience up here and set you free from the burden of sin. You say, well, I still have a... Then you, you better, your faith better start operating and receiving what God's given for you. He said, I wonder whether there's a paradox could happen this afternoon. How much more, said, now, how much more has he promised? How much more is it leading to, in the Bible, to this very age that we're living, the Ephesians again? We've got to come right back to the Ephesians again. When my brothers called, we've got to get back to Pentecost. I said, we've got to get back to Ephesians again. The Ephesians again, watch, of the church ages. Now this is in that where Paul prayed. Prayer was for the gift of the spirit of wisdom revelation to cap off or to seal the final power for immortality to that group. They could have received it. He said, we've got seven church ages and we're promised that the Laodicean church age, which is what blind, wretched, and miserable Stupid and everything else. Naked and whatever more. Don't even know they're not even got any clothes on. And we're supposed to be an Ephesian church. With all the virtues, fruits of the Spirit, evidence of the Holy Ghost by the doctrines of the Word. And we're here. There has to be another Ephesians. He said, that's right. And we're here. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ, who made the promise, did he make a promise of Hebrews 13, 8? As we saw last week, if he shows up and manifests as himself in flesh, God in flesh as the Alpha, he has to come God in flesh in the Omega. I'll give you three quotes. We're running out of time. We got a baptismal service this morning. Is that right? Okay, Brother Branham says basically an invisible union. I know the brethren don't like this, but he said in an invisible union, the word that fell on the day of Pentecost will not work this day. Now, the word that fell on the Pentecost is the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the upper room where licks of fire set upon each one. He said it wouldn't work this day. Because if you had that baptism of the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't know any more about the word than they did. No, sir, that was for Pentecost. This is for the bride, going home with the bride. We got something different. 
What do we got different? We got a refilling. We have the fullness. Everybody say fullness. We got ten parts of the ten parts. If there's a sevenfold revelation and it didn't get there, we got to have that eighth. I don't believe we're in the eighth day, but we have another part. We got to close the gap. That pyramid must settle down on the church. That pyramid is God himself, the head of the body. He said, now the word of Noah won't work. Pentecostal age won't work. He said, what? Uh, would have worked in the time of Paul. He tried to tell them, you are dead to that. You cannot have that. Brother Bam's telling us, and I've got on and on too many scriptures. Brother Bam's telling us. He's calling us out of the Pentecostal age. It's doctrines. It's evidences. Even it's baptism of the Holy Ghost with the restoration of the gifts. I put in your text, and you go read the church age book, which most people do not like anymore. Brother Branham tells you in the church age book that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that brought in Pentecost was only for the manifestation of gifts because they was crying out for manifestation. He said, watch, but it was not the latter rain because he said it could only come after the former rain, which is the spring or teaching rain. The latter rain then is the harvest rain. We have had a message. We have had the mysteries, which is no more than true doctrine lined up correctly for the church. That's the reason we have no reservation knowing that when we baptize an individual, we have the correct formula for the remission of sins to be baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because you must have the gift of the Holy Ghost to receive this end time gift of the Holy Ghost himself. Only those with the Holy Ghost can stand and identify who's here. Who was vindicated through the prophet. It's not prophet, prophet, prophet. It was God, God, God. Because without God, there, there would be no prophet. And if Brother Branham was not that prophet, then the one that backed up his word was not God. So what you're declaring is that Satan come along and fooled the whole bunch. I don't believe that. One older. He said, the prophet messenger who was sent to teach the people and turn the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers had not yet come. Thus what was thought to be the restoration and the final quickening unto the rapture had not come. That's promised gift of Ephesians 1.17 has not come and manifested itself in the flesh. It is here. The message was. The message was. What is the message? People say, I left the message. What did you leave? I hadn't heard one of these brothers on their videos. Two or three hours giving their lectures. I don't believe the message. I left the message. They had, not one of them tells you what the message is. Not one of them. Brother Branham wasn't the message. He was only the voice or the carrier of the message. 
the message is, He is here. Can we make it any simpler than that? Now, my question to you this morning is what? What you're looking for is this promised gift that the Apostle Paul prayed for. Your messenger of the seventh age to the Pentecostal group told that age what they were looking for, what they thought they had, was now here, and he was the messenger of the mechanics for you to receive it. God himself is here. Hear ye him. Amen. Let me see. We might want to quit there, right there. Then to prove that it was not the real. You mean the Holy Ghost that they failed? The manifestation of the gifts wasn't the real? Are you telling me what Luther had was not the real? The real he's speaking about is the real full measure. It was the real God himself. The real token. We have a token of the baptism to receive the token, God himself. Most people say, well, if God's here, how come he don't do this and how come he don't that? I'll tell you why he doesn't. It's because you don't believe it. Karen, you want to go? Karen. Paul was not praying for these people in Ephesians to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They had already received it. I put in your scripture what was the gift in. 1 Corinthians 15, he tells you. When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. This is what we're talking about. The final quickening. The filling of God himself. When you recognize your day and its message, and our message is God himself is here to finish and glorify himself in the saints. That's right. If your mind would open up to that thought and message. And your mouth would confirm it to your own life. For your justification. God and a group of people. Will bring this confession to pass. And bring a resurrection. But the vinyl voice will be in the bride. And we should open our mouth and praise God, true worship, by declaring that God is here. We are the recipients of the promise, praise God. The greatest Christmas gift that God can give you is a revelation of who you are and what you are and the hour that you're living. This is the hour of glorification and resurrection of the body of Christ. Amen. Let's stand this morning. We'll stop right there. So the gift that I'm talking about is Elohim, the self-existent one, who is spirit alone. God is a spirit. He is a person. The prophet said in token, the hour has arrived that the token itself, not some counterfeit, not some make-believe, substitutionary, anything. The hour is here when the token himself 
is identifying himself right among us and proving that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's proving the omega, or he's proving the alpha of God manifested through flesh as the Son of Man. That has already transpired. Then I ask the question, what are we looking for? If you're looking down the road, you're going to miss it. What you're looking for is already in you. It's here. It's done. It's finished. He's tutoring us. He's encouraging us. He's teaching us. He's making his plan more clear and clear until we look in the mirror of God's word and says, that's me. We are that special group that all these great men of God Look down the road far, look down the road far, look down the road far. I don't know what they knew what they was looking for, but they was looking for the pillar of fire, which is God himself, to come in that form and make himself known as being present, manifest his presence through a prophet, by signs, miracles, and wonders, and by revelation of that open word or the doctrine, reveal himself to you, the word of God. Making you, written epistles, the word in flesh. Amen. Now are we the sons and daughters of God. And it has already appeared what we shall be. For the prophet said we, what you've seen in my ministry. When he, that power comes. That final gift of power. And brother and sister it is here. It cannot be put off too much longer. Or something is going to have to happen. Start all over again with another messenger or something. It is here. We are in the season. Somebody somewhere. One, two or three. Somewhere. Is going to open their mouth and declare who they are and manifest this power, this fullness of the Holy Ghost and become written epistles read of all men. It will be a short, quick work. You're not going to be another Billy Graham. You're not going to set up tension. You're not going to prove how great you are. It's going to take you into an assembly, a revelation, and we'll see the sleeping saints and we'll get out of here and nobody will know that we're gone. But we'll know. And it all comes by this. Confession. Confession, confession, confession. I can preach to you until I run out of breath and I preach to you for 40 years until I get it coming out of your mouth, who you are and what you are, to confirm the word who has already declared who you are and what you are. It will not come into an expression in your life because somewhere you don't really believe it. There's something lacking there somewhere or you would open your mouth and declare what the word says about you. Amen. You are the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. And if you have accepted the word of this hour, been baptized, I say, into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you're baptized into the name, his name becomes your name. This is not just an empty ceremony. This is taking an individual and translating them from one dimension into another. Their name will not be the same when they come up out of the water. They will take on his name. Your name this morning is Mrs. Jesus Christ. Because the whole family in heaven and earth is named Jesus. Amen. Do you believe that? All right. What's that song we sang last week? I know that's a long time to remember. Yeah, Nick, I'm not going to walk away. I think that's it. Let's sing that. How many feels good this morning? 
How many got the Christmas gift that you hoped and prayed for you'd gift? Anybody got? Who didn't get what you wanted? I wanted a body change. I hadn't quite got it yet either. I, I, I'd like to have a vitamin shot that would bring me back to youth again. Praise the Lord. I got a hunger and thirst after this, this body change. I'm pushing time. I've been preaching for 40 years, and I've been preaching body change, body change, body change. I remember after 10 years of preaching body change down to Boot Hill, some sincere sister come this morning. She said, Brother Gregory, aren't you ever going to preach anything except body change? I said, oh, she said, I'll, I'll change my subject. I've got something else I can preach. So I come next week. I said, I'm not going to preach on body change. I'm going to preach on change body. <laughs> change body, change body, change body. You are in the season of the greatest outpouring and quickening of the Holy Ghost that's ever been known to the church. Amen. It has never been expressed like this will be. Outside of in Jesus the man, when God quickened him from the dead, glorified him, and set him on high. If you study Ephesians very carefully, this will set us in a position. It will set us in authority over every power, principality, every devil, what more. Because in the fullness of all, we will be the expression of God manifested in the flesh. So don't get carried away with it. Just say amen. And whatever God wants you to be and to do, you will do. Don't figure out what great ministry you're going to be. What are you going to do this great? No, no. Whatever you're going to be, you'll be just like Jesus. That spirit will have control of you. It will think through you, act through you. And somewhere your will will be so submissive that you will not be in control. God will take over control of the driver's seat and take us into the great beyond. Amen. That's what we're looking for. Let's sing it. I'm not going to walk away. I've got... Too much at stake, I've come too far to turn back now. Any battle that I have fought will soon oh, be for God. I'm taking this old cross in for a crown. Come on, let's rejoice this morning now. I'm not going to walk away. Too much at stake, I've come too far to turn back now. Will soon, oh, be for God. Trading this old. Turn around and shake hands with Sunday morning. Say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, or God bless you, whatever you want to. not going to walk away. I've got, I put too much time in already. There's no way I'm going to walk away by the help of God. Glory. One more time. What did I say? Well, I'm not going to walk away. I've got Every battle that I have fought will soon oh, be for God. I'm taking this old cross. Let's give God a wave offering this morning. Sing it to him now. I'm not going to walk away. I've got 
too much at stake. I've come too far to turn back now. The battle that I have fought will soon oh, be forgotten. I pay it so cross in for one more time. We'll go now. Oh, I'm not gonna walk away. Will soon, oh, be for God, trading this oak. Oh, I feel like singing that one more time, don't you? Go away, I've got too much at stake. I've come. For will soon, oh, be for God, I'm trading this old cross. Hey, me feels like singing it one more time. Well, I'm not going to walk away. Got too much at stake. I've come In this old cross in for Christ. Amen and amen. Praise be to God. Let's bow our hearts now before we're dismissed. And we got a baptismal service this morning, again this morning, of two young candidates. We'll pray that the promise of the Holy Ghost will be quickened to them. And may every person in this building examine your heart and soul to do what you're required to do to place you in a position for God to finish the work in you and through you. You can't do it, but God can. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because you said you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for the resurrection that places us justified before you. We thank you for the gift and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that sanctifies us, Lord. And we thank you for the remission of our sins and the filling of the Holy Ghost. Now, most of all, we thank you for the message of this hour, the revelation of your divine presence here in the form of the Holy Ghost yourself, the Word, the Logos manifested among us. Open our eyes this morning that we may receive the gift of yourself. May we receive you. And may the evidence of this hour and this message that you're here, may it be quickened to every heart. And may our confession confirm in our hearts and our minds that we are truly the sons and daughters of Almighty God. Reveal to us in this hour what we shall become and what we are. And this great gift of your presence, the great gift of the power that fills the whole body of Christ and giving it the dynamics, the quickening power of the Son of God. May it be expressed in our lives, Lord, in this hour. But we see the darkness. We see the Sodomite condition. We see the plagues. We see the judgment coming. We see Israel in our homeland. We see all the scriptures being properly placed. But there's still one scripture, one promise, that you would raise us out of here in a glorified body. And we, we confess that to be true. 
And pray that every heart, every young person in this building receive you. In understanding that it is you, Lord, the great Jehovah, the great Elohim, the existing one, now making himself known to us the greatest gift that there is. So we ask you to be with us. Let us go with us now to the baptismal service. May the remission of sins, may these candidates receive the blessing and the gift of the Holy Ghost. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning. And we'll assemble in the back for the water baptismal service. So.